with me your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans in the chapter 15, please. Romans in the chapter 15. Read together from the verse first of the chapter. Romans chapter 15, the verse 1, the Word of God says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded, one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Amen. Ending our reading there at the verse 5. As we come to this message this morning, we do so uh, coming to the penultimate in the entire series, but the final for this calendar year. For the final message of this series will find itself on the first Sunday morning of the new year, God willing. We promised 10 rubies from Romans, and so this is number 9. And this will be, of course, the end of these studies for the Christmas season. And then, God willing, on the first Sunday of the new year, we come back to it to complete the series. But as we've made our way through it, I trust that our hearts have been encouraged. We've been reminded of some great truth once more that is to be found in this great epistle, in this great letter that Paul writes. A letter that's full of doctrinal truth, but nevertheless a letter that remains relevant to this very day, relevant to each of our lives. And coming afresh to the Word of God this morning, I don't believe it to be untrue even of the message today, because I believe what we come to, to consider today will be a message of relevance to so many. For the ruby we leave with you this morning is just simply this. Find there at the end of verse 4, have hope. Have hope. Remember, we've made our way through that which encouraged us at the outset of the study, we looked at the four but nows, reminding us of the great changes that have been effected as God has worked within, and then pivoting now to look how to implement these truths in our lives, we come to have hope. Have hope. The Bible lays down a pattern here, a pattern which is easy for us all to follow, a pattern which is easily identifiable, and a pattern which we do well to remember in times whenever we despair. It's a natural tendency of us all. Even the most hopeful amongst us will come to a moment in life, will come to a situation in life when despair is known. And so the Bible re reminds us and refreshes us that we have hope. We must have hope. We must continue to have hope. And may the Lord, word of the Lord even do so in our hearts and in our lives this morning. But if we are to have hope, the first thing I notice in this passage is that we must be wise. We must be wise. When it comes to living our lives as believers, we all face a challenge. Because whether we will readily admit to it or not, we all want people to think like we do. We want people to act like we do. We want people to live like we do. But right at the outset of this chapter, the Bible reminds us that if we are to truly make a difference in this world, then we must be wise. And I want you to remember this statement. 
For this is a guiding principle for ministry, whether it be in a wider sense or in a personal sense. But you accept people where they are, and you lead them to where they need to be. You don't drag them. You don't force them. You don't coerce them. You accept them for where they are, and you lead them to where they need to be. You might say, well, where are you seeing this in the passage this morning? Well, come to verse 1 of the chapter 15, and it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And the Bible is reminding us here that there is amongst the body of believers that is to be found resplendent in any local assembly, there are those who are strong in the faith, and there are also those who are weak in the faith. Now, that dichotomy may vary over times and seasons. We come to challenges. We come to moments in our lives whenever things aren't going so well, wherever our Christian walk isn't perhaps what it should be. And so, perhaps not in that moment are we to be termed strong, but rather we're found amongst the weak. But nevertheless, the guiding principle that the Word of God brings to us as as it seeks to encourage us to be wise as we live circumspectly in this world is simply this. If we are those who are strong, then we're to bear the infirmities of the weak. We're not to please ourselves. We're to let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, that is, building up. And therefore, as we apply the wisdom of God, as we live as those who are wise in this world, the Lord will enable us through that which we say, that which we do, to build others up. How sad is it to see so often in the Christian walk there are too many cases of tearing down. The Bible reminds us here that we are to build up. It says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. It's left us a perfect pattern of how to live wise in this world. Oh, you may win the battle, but I tell you, too many of us have lost the war. We may win in the moment, but too many of us have lost influence in the lives of others. Why? Because we've not applied the wisdom of God's Word. Now back up into chapter 14 and read, in the verse 15 it says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things which wherewith one may edify another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. Here in this passage, we see that a dispute has arisen between one who regards the meat of another and says, that is not an appropriate way to live. Paul says, for meat, destroy not the work of God. There are essentials when it comes to the, the Christian life. There are essentials when it comes to the work of God. And within any local assembly, we do well to guard the essentials. We've remarked upon these already in our studies. The essentials include, of course, the virgin birth of Christ as something we remember at this time of year. 
The fact that the Bible records the truth of his incarnation, that he was God in flesh. Another essential is the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God expressed throughout Scripture in three distinct persons. Another essential is, of course, the vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ, that his blood alone is able to cleanse the sin of all mankind. Another is, of course, his sin coming again. The fact that Jesus Christ shall return, this same Jesus whom you have seen go, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. The truth that salvation is only by grace through faith in Christ. When it comes to the Word of God, an essential is, of course, that what we hold in our hands is His inerrant, inspired, infallible truth. But how is it that so many of us do not fall out over the essentials? Rather, disputations arise because of the non-essentials. Because as I said at the start, we like to force our opinion. We like to ensure that everybody lives the way that we do, that everybody thinks the way that we do. But the Word of God reminds us, be not wise, or be wise. Do not destroy the work of God for me. Now, examples of this in the local ministry are varied, but there are many. Very often, uh, it comes down to a generational thing. An older generation enforces their views on a younger generation. A middle-aged generation rise up and defy the right and regard of an older generation. But the Word of God reminds us, destroy not the work of God for meat. You see, we're fast coming to the days whenever those who we are seeking to win, those who we are seeking to invite from the streets of this town and from the locality around us will come in and they will look nothing like us. They won't dress like we do. They certainly won't come with their head covered or carrying a Bible under their arm. And how are we to respond? We're to be wise. We're not to destroy the work of God for meat. Our young people are going to take part all through the services next week. Are we going to enforce our views upon them? Destroy not the work of God for meat. Rather use that which God has given to you, influence Accept them for where they are. Lead them to where they have to be. And remember that through it all, the Bible is leading us to hope. Why? Because we're leaving a legacy that can remain. The very reason that we exist in a local assembly is this, is to simply allow that which has been handed to us to be handed to another generation, that the work of God will continue while the Lord tarries. but it cannot be done if we destroy the work of God for meat. It cannot be done if we refuse to be wise, or if we refuse to be wise and live with wisdom in this world. We could be so right in our doctrine and so wrong in our application. God's Word says, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. 
Let everyone please his neighbor for his good to edification. We need to see those who are different from us sitting amongst us. Because those are the souls for whom Christ died. Those are the people that we are called to minister to and even those amongst our assembly who know the Lord Jesus Christ and are yet early and infant in their faith, we are to build up. We're to lead them to where they need to be in order to be that next generation. But not only are we to be wise, but we are to be patient. Verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience might have hope. We live in a very impatient world. It begins at the very earliest of moments in our childhood whenever the bottle comes out of the bag and the baby's legs start to kick and the arms start to go. They can't wait till the lid gets off it. Carries right on through because 30 seconds in a microwave seems like two hours. Whenever Amazon click and collect, or Amazon click one day and delivered the next day isn't quick enough, you have to find that Argos click and collect. These are the battles that we face. These are the struggles that enter into our nature because we get so consumed with the here and now and impatience rules the day. It's not only practical matters in which Christians battle with impatience. Very much in a spiritual way, we want the answers to our prayers and we want them now. We want to see God working in the lives of our families, God working in our fellowship, and we want it now. And all along, we're unwilling to submit to the leading of God and the timing of God. There is, of course, the antithesis of all of this because in any local assembly and in any family, there are those who are dead slow and stopped. Those who take a long time to get anywhere. And that can be a danger in the Christian life. It can be a danger in the local church, but that's for another message. Because the Bible here is exhorting each one of us to have patience, not only to live wise, to be wise in this world, but to have patience, to be patient. And true patience, the Bible reminds us, is waiting without worrying. Verse 5, we're reminded that God is a God of patience. And isn't it true that in our lives we can testify of God's patience? Whenever we look back, we see our own shortcomings. The times whenever we have tripped, the times whenever we have fallen. But yet through it all, God is a God of patience. We come to Psalm 27 and we see the words of the psalmist there when it comes to the matter of patience. Whenever he writes, wait on the Lord, in verse 14, Psalm 27 and verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thine heart, wait, I say, on the Lord. And then in Psalm 37 and verse 7 it says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And here the psalmist is reminding us that 
Yes, he was one who knew the impatient time of waiting whenever he was anointed to be king over Israel, and yet Saul was still on the throne. God's purposes and God's plans took a while to unfold in his life, but yet he knew what it was to wait on the Lord. He has known discouragements. He's known the ups and downs of life. He's known his own shortcomings. He's known his own feelings. But yet through it all, he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Because he identifies a God who does all things according to the counsel of his own will, who knows exactly that which we have need of and is in his own time and according to his own way going to meet that need, going to answer that prayer. Romans chapter 12, in the verse 12, Paul writes, Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. To the church at Galatia, he writes in the Galatians chapter 6, in the verse 9, he says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Then Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 in the verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord's going to meet that need. The Lord's going to save that soul. The Lord's going to do that work, and you and I don't need to rush ahead of the Lord, and we certainly don't need to live a life full of anxiousness, a life full of worry. Why? Because we are to wait patiently for Him. If we're to have hope, we must learn the art of patience. If we're to have hope, we must be wise in the world. We must be wise in how we live in the world. Not only must we be wise, not only must we be patient, but we must be comforted. It says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The Word of God has been given to us to remind us that God is not slack concerning His promises, but also to comfort us while we wait. Comfort is defined as relief and affliction or the feeling of consolation. There's no doubt that each and every time we come to the Word of the Lord that there is those who gather, even under the sound of the preaching of His Word, that need to be comforted one of the duties of the preacher, is it not, to bring comfort from the, the Word of God. 1 Corinthians in the chapter 14 in the verse 3, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So there you see that the command given to the preacher is simply to build up, to exhort, that is to warn, to sound out the warning, but also to comfort. So very much as we come to the Word of God time after time, we must be those who receive comfort from God's Word. As I come with a message that must be my intention even to purposefully comfort from God's Word. True comfort can only be found in God's Word. It can't be found in the words that I bring. It can't be found in the words of another brother brings. It can only be found in the Word of God. 
He alone is the one who is able to discern our needs. He's, he alone is the one able to truly know the needs of our heart. 2 Corinthians, in the chapter 1, Paul writes, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God it is who is able to comfort us. His Word alone is that which is able to provide that comfort. And as we have known that measure of comfort from His Word, then we too are to take that which we have received and share even into the hearts and into the lives of others. Robert Louis Stevenson tells of a storm that caught a vessel off a rocky coast. There in that ship, there was much panic, there was much worry, there was much apprehension for all that lay ahead because that storm was threatening to drive that ship onto the very rocks. In the midst of the terror, one man, contrary to all that he was being commanded to do, left even that place where all the passengers were gathered in the center of part of the ship and went on to the deck. He went on to the deck with the intention of going to where the pilot was. He went and he looked through that little hole in the door to where the pilot and indeed the steerman were there seeking to guide the ship, seeking to alleviate any harm or uh, unnecessary danger that had arisen. And inch by inch, that steerman was following the captain's instructions and ever so gingerly just turning that wheel just little by little. As he viewed through that hole, it seemed to take hours for every turn just to be made. But nevertheless, he kept at it. Turning back, he went to where the remainder of the passengers were, and he said, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because I've seen the face of the pilot. Whenever it comes to the Word of God, that's exactly what you and I possess. That's exactly what you and I hold. And Paul here writes a message to every brother, to every sister in Christ, and he gives us this exhortation to all of us follow after Christ and to be those who live for God, to those who know the comfort of God. As we come time after time to His Word. Oh, yes, we're faced with challenging circumstances. Oh, yes, we know those personal fears and anxieties. And yes, we are tempted to become so self-absorbed with all that's going on in our hearts, all that's going on in our lives. But the Bible reminds us we have good comfort. And the Bible's very purpose is to bring that word of comfort from God Himself, and as we are comforted, then we too can show forth that comfort unto others. And it all brings us to hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. And so if we're to have hope, we're to be wise, we're to be patient, we're to be comforted, but we're also to be learned. See, what Paul writes there in the verse 4 is simply this, whatsoever things were written aforetime 
were written for our learning. To learn something is to be in the condition that you can recall it at will. It might be something that we learn in school or in other academic setting. It might be something practical like that which we learn when we are embarking upon our driving test and other necessary passages of life. But the intention of all learning is that as time passes and as the years progress, that you and I will be able to recall that which has been instructed to us. The Bible tells us here that all things recorded in this book, all these accounts that are given to us from the beginning of Scripture right through to the end are for our learning. And thus, even in this season of life, even whenever we are faced with many challenges and many difficulties, you and I have been given to us in the Word of God many messages of hope that are contained in the example in the lives of others. We're able to apply the lessons from this book. We're able to see that others struggled with the same things that we struggle with that they face the same battles and discouragements and the same trials and troubles that we come to, but yet through it all, God was faithful, yet through it all, God communicated to them and through them a message of hope. Reminded of David, the psalmist already referred to, but he it was who encouraged himself in the Lord. We know that Hannah was one who prayed long, and prayed hard even for the blessing of God to be known in her life. She waited on the Lord, and the Lord met her need. We know that Joseph was one who was sold into the hands of the Midianites by his brothers, and there, through all the twists and turns of life, there were many moments whenever he no doubt had thought that his life was over, that his purpose in life was far from clear, but yet through it all, he looked back and he said, what you intended to harm me, God meant for good. We see in Job one who was troubled and tried all because he did everything right. But yet through it all he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand upon the latter day on the earth. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And these examples and many more remind us of the communication of truth, that message of hope that is found continually and indeed consistently in the Word of God. This is a word that we must learn. This is a book that we must have knowledge of. It's a book that must guide our lives. It's a book that brings us to hope. You know, as we make our way from beginning to end through the Word of God, we are reminded that we are never alone. We're reminded that we are never forgotten. We're reminded that we are never forsaken. And through it all, we can have hope. 
And so today, as we reflect on this truth that is found there, have hope. As we consider the wisdom in which we are to live in this world, recognizing that God has placed us and given us influence and authority over others so that we can build them up, will we be wise? As we face great troubles and trials, as we have many outstanding prayer requests that God has yet to meet the need of, as there are many yet unsaved in our circle of family and friends, and we hold on and hold fast to the promises of God, are we willing to be patient? As we come to those challenges and trials and live through those seasons of difficulty, Will we be comforted? And through all of this, will we be students of the Word? This book is central to our wisdom, it's central to our patience, it's central to our comfort and our knowledge and learning of it is so crucial if we are to live a life of hope. Paul knew a thing or two whenever he was writing this book, did he not? He was one who faced the troubles and the trials. He was one who knew what it was to be shunned, persecuted, and cast out. But he was one who held on to the truth that God's ways are best. And in his ministry, he sought to leave us with that which is most necessary so that we too can have lives of hope as we live here below. May God bless his word to each of our hearts today. And may we be those who hold fast and hold on to the hope that is only to be found in and through God and His Word. Father, we pray for Thy blessing and the help. Help us to be wise in our lives. Help us to be patient. Help us to be comforted. And help us to have knowledge that surpasses all understanding that only comes from Thee and Thee alone. Grant us that ability. Grant us that desire. Grant us a result of hope in whatever season, whatever trial, whatever difficulty. We'll praise thee and we'll thank thee for all that thou wilt do. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, for a closer walk with God, calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. Do not remaining with us for the time of remembrance and after the first verse, if you don't mind to leave at that point. And for those who tarry, we'll meet together around the table of remembrance in just a few moments. <laughs>